Welcome to Head to Toe, stories from the history and future of healthcare. Hello and welcome listeners to a career profile episode of Head to Toe. This is an interview with Carmen Buck, a nurse practitioner who is also an accomplished photographer and author. She shares with us the evolution and genesis of her new book, Just See Me, The Other Side of Dementia. In it, she highlights 13 families who take care of a loved ones with dementia. These are people taking care of relatives who don't even remember who they are. Carmen takes the time to capture each family during a period of profound reflection, resulting in not only prized multi-generational portraits, but of stories that are beautiful and resonating. Here's Carmen Buck. Please enjoy. Yep, I'm here. All right, we are in business. Okay. Awesome. So thank you very much for being a guest on Head to Toe. Very excited to talk to you. Um, why don't we start with you just telling me a little bit about your nursing career and how you kind of transitioned into writing and photography. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so um, I actually have been a nurse for almost 40 years. I graduated in seven, 1979, lots of changes since then, and have been a nurse practitioner then about 20 years. And um, my, I did a variety of different nursing, you know, as we go along. I um, Pediatrics to the very elderly to even a little hospice. And uh, particularly loved home care, whether it was adults or um, kids. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I just realized I was so intrigued by people's stories and um, very creative spirit as it is. And um, I definitely had the entrepreneurial I'll say spirit again, the entrepreneurial creative spirit was definitely there, which is kind of tough when you're in a, um, in a traditional nursing role. Um, so uh, just about three years ago, I was in the clinic and uh, working at this point, I had been the last decade working with families, elderly care, uh, those who care for the elderly and uh, those with dementia. And, of course, a big part of that job was um, had nothing to do with prescriptions or, uh, you know, uh, or even a small part of it was once the diagnosis is made and things. The big part was helping families uh, cope with and and people cope with the diagnosis and what are they going to do now and how to be a caregiver uh, when, you know, most have, of course, no idea what that entails. And with dementia, it's a... marathon uh, versus a sprint and I realized I just uh, really loved that piece of it and I love getting to know their stories and uh, families often had trouble connecting and finding a way to memorialize during this time and um, I found I really had a gift for that <laughs> that's pretty much how it evolved I, I went from clinician to um, and it was truly an epiphany for me. I was in the clinic, and I just got this download, you know, this, this hit for me that you need to tell these stories. You need to help these families tell these stories uh, because the world needs to hear it. And, you know, and it just evolved from there to places I couldn't have even imagined on that day. Uh, but uh, the short version, <laughs> the short version of the story uh, so now it's almost been, um, two and eight, well, three years since then. I left the clinic about a little over two years ago, and uh, the book is about to come out. 
Right. Yeah. So your yeah. book is it? So you're a photographer and a writer. So the book that's coming out is yeah. it a mixture of both of those things of photography and storytelling? Yes, it is. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure how it was going to look. I, um, you know, my thought was, well, I couldn't tell the story without images. And um, photography was not my career. It was a hobby and uh, loved it. But even so, I just like, oh, I can't imagine not having beautiful portraits, compassionate portraits in the uh, book because I realized families really didn't have images of their loved ones for maybe decades even, you know, and I thought, well, this is an important time too. Even difficult times are important. And uh, so that kind of became a more, even a, you know, a whole new focus was telling the stories, but also creating and preserving a legacy, which included the images. Uh, And so, yeah, it's a mix of both. Yeah, I love what you have to say about storytelling because I, I I so agree with you that that is it's a huge way of of like you said building a legacy for that for that person and especially in that population of elderly people who suffer from dementia. Why um for you has it become so important and so why is it meaningful to tell the stories of that that clientele of the elderly and those who are suffering from dementia? Yeah, so, you know, I just had a strong gut feeling these stories need to be told. For one thing, I just remember here listening and helping families, and I thought, you know, if we all thought about these kind, these stories, what these families are going through, so many of the petty worries that we have, would just not be there <laughs> because it's like really relatively speaking it was just such a traumatic time and yet people embraced it and grew from it and then as I started working with the families and this was the part that even surprised me um, I had interviewed and done the portrait there were 13 families and um, so it took a while and then about a year later or so as I'm wrapping up the writing of the book, I, I'm still thought I actually went and visited again and um, chatted with them. And I said, you know, what, what was it like? Do you remember that day telling these stories? And every single family is like, oh, my gosh, I've got to tell you, it was like this huge number one. It was like an unburdening. And it was almost uh, surreal to look back and think about that day because it it really it was like a, a pivotal time to be able to say what we felt about all of this and to tell our mom or dad's story out loud. And um, across the board, it was like, oh, it was the most healing thing. It was unbelievable. And this is a year later. They're remembering the day as if it just happened. And, um, and I knew it would be significant, but I didn't know it would be like, like that. You know, um, the healing power of storytelling is just, um, and my whole agenda, all I, I had one question for them. I said, what do you want the world to know about your, what do you want the world to know about your mom or your dad or whatever it might be? And um, it usually revolves somewhere around the dementia, um, but that wasn't always, they wanted to tell the story about before that and how they managed. And uh, yeah, and then the images. Um, there again, you know, almost across the board, 
we really don't care about the pictures, but if you want to, you go ahead. Like, okay, it's important for me. And then, you know, they were just like, I know we didn't really care, but once we got those, those images back, these pictures, and, and I matted them for them and things, he's like, these are our priceless treasures. They're priceless to us, and we would not have done it otherwise. How had cool. no idea. How cool yeah, is so we that? We had no idea these would be so meaningful to us. Yeah. So then I thought, yeah, I am totally on the right track here. Wow. That is yeah. so rad. That is so rad. I love that. <laughs> How yeah. many subjects um, did you did you include in your book? Is it many, or is it just does it surround around a few? Yeah. So there are thirteen. Um, ended up being thirteen from all different walks of life. Um, and men and women both, uh, some, some were early onset, meaning they were diagnosed at a fairly young age. And um, some of the participants, some of the, the, the person with dementia were able to contribute, others were not. Um, there are a few who their mother or father um, had passed already, but they wanted to tell their story because it was uh, in one was a story of really transcendence with how the family moved through and that the healing took place afterwards, um, years after even, uh, which was certainly a learning um, experience and really a beautiful story. And another was just the, the magic in um, one particular moment of lucidity that her mother had. And she wanted to share that story and, um, all are just so inspirational. And um, I think sometimes we think, well, stories about people who have a terminal illness and they get worse and it's just down to, it's going to be a real downer. And uh, in truth, they're just beautiful stories of inspiration. And um, I realized that each 13 story, I had you know no plans for this, but each one was absolutely unique in the message that they had to send. Um, also 13 really unique messages. Fascinating. And then these were all, these were patients of yours in the clinic or, or you just happened to. <laughs> yeah, that's a great story. Um, a few are, and um, one um, I can, I can tell you one in particular, I was having, um, I was sitting out on a patio with a friend of mine eating pizza at a, you know, at a pizza place. And we were taught, it was right before I was about to leave the clinic and we were talking about our, our hours and how I was going to transition to this entrepreneur status. And I had no idea what that was going to be like. And that's a whole other story. And um, we were, we were just conversing. She's a PA, she's a physician assistant. And um, there was a gal sitting a few tables, next uh, you know from us and when we went to um put our trash in the bin she looked she goes i can tell you guys are nurses i can tell by the lingo and um i'm like well mark is a pa i'm a nurse practitioner she goes i i'm a nurse practitioner also and we started talking and she happens to be a caregiver for her mother and she's like oh my gosh i would love to be a part of this and right there there was um and They've actually gotten, I just attended her memorial this weekend, her mother's memorial, and um, so three years later, yeah. So some of it were just, just simply like that. Some, a few people called and said, I heard you're doing a story. I heard you're writing a book about, I, I want to tell you my mom's story. I want to tell you my dad's story or my husband's. A few, I was um, I was in the, and in the memory care doing the interviews and the photos, and 
you know, another family might by and go, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God, mm-hmm. I'd love to be a part of it. Okay. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. And so my, my goal was to stop at around eight, but it just, it kept going and I, and I loved it. So I'm like, yeah, we can't leave that story out. <laughs> so. I can, I can relate. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I was like, I get that. I would just keep going and going. And uh, eventually I had to say, well, maybe book number two. <laughs> right. So, so this being an extraordinary stories episode for head to toe, is there a, is there a story either from your book, from one of your subjects that you wouldn't mind sharing that you, you consider extraordinary without spoiling the book, of course. You know, when we think about Alzheimer's or dementias, um, we generally think of the elderly. And uh, but there, there's a small percentage that, you know, genetically who uh, attacks at a very young age. And uh, there is a family, and they were, I did meet them through the clinic, and uh, where the mother is uh, a little older than I am. She's in her 60s. And she takes care of her two sons who are in their 40s with um, advanced Alzheimer's. And her daughter had it also. When I first, her, her name's Mary. When I first met Mary, she was, um, she talked so fast and I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't even understand her. And she said, so I'm going to tell you exactly what I, because I know all about this and I've been taking care of them and this is what I need. And she says, so what do you have, what do you have to offer me? What can you help me with? And I just had to put my computer down and look at her and go, let's talk about this. Where, how are you managing at home? And, and um, for her, it was just the way it was. She was just going to take care, and she is taking care of her son. And then she said, well, I still work because I kind of need to get out, and other family members come in and help. And her sons now are on hospice and need total care and, and did even then a couple of years ago. And, uh, and I said, well, what do you do for a break? And she said, oh, I, I work in a um, – I'm a care – I work in a caregiver in a home for um, – adults who have special needs. (laughs) I'm like, that's your break? She goes, yeah, that's my break. And um, when I watched how she managed, and I said, how do you do this? She goes, I pray. Prayer keeps me focused and centered and on track and grateful for every moment I have. And that was really extraordinary moment for me because I would imagine what it would be like being in that situation. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I, I couldn't even fathom it, honestly. So, yeah, that's the one story for me that, yeah, and her attitude is just so joyful. And she cares for her sons with such grace. Yeah, and, and her 90-year-old mother helped her. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they think nothing of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's what you do, right? To them, it's 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 your family. It's just what you do, and then it's just what you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that for that her break to be even taking care of other people, like the I, I I'm feeling the compassion fatigue just hearing about it. <laughs> yeah, which is a real thing, people. Compassion fatigue is a really? real thing. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah, she's just recently started to uh, take advantage of respite care a little bit. And get away, you know, a week here and there, which, you know, is important, very important. You know, she's an, an amazing lady. 
What a significant service you've provided for these families. Um, yeah. What, yeah. Um, at the end of doing this book, you had sort of alluded to it a little bit about, um, you know, how you felt and you just it kind of kept snowballing to this big, amazing thing. Has, you know, has it perhaps restored your faith in humanity a little bit? Or did you feel like you never lost it in the first <laughs> place working with people who suffer from this terrible disease? <laughs> no, I don't think I ever lost it, but um, I I do see life. I mean, I see life. I think um, in such a brighter way myself, and um, it certainly helps me to welcome my days with gratitude and to close my days with gratitude. And and also for me as a you know as a nurse and a, a nurse practitioner, I there are uh, there are many ways that we can offer offer ourselves and our practice and what we do to help people heal. And uh, in this case, it was very healing for me too, of course, and as it is for most of us. Uh, but, you know, I say, I'm still a nurse. I just heal with a camera and words the, through the storytelling. That was a, a big thing for me because um, people say, well, you're not a nurse anymore. I'm like, yeah, I am. I really am. And I think I touch you know, as many, if not more, especially with the book, even more hearts than I could in a clinic. I think as a professional, it's a very cool way to look at it. It's really who we are, you know, so that compassion, I call it compassionate photography, because I think that's totally what it is. (laughs) I really like that sentiment, like you said, you know, just because you're not you know, at the bedside, putting an IV in. I mean, as much as that is nursing, you know, what you're doing is also nursing. And people who do all sorts of different things, it is it is still nursing. Because at its core, I guess it is really trying to make someone else's life better, right? Yeah, to offer up new perspective and uh, see things in a, uh, in a brighter light and to get through a really hard time. And storytelling is one way to process what's happening or what happened to experience it in a, in a different way than a more complete way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Preserving that legacy is just so important because otherwise those stories end when the person ends for generations to come. That's a, that's a loss for them. Mm-hmm. And, and even the process of being a caregiver to say, well, we definitely don't want to remember this time, you know, the caregivers who, you know, our caregivers and then their loved one passed said to me, I'm so glad we documented this because it was an important time of my life. Mm-hmm. And it is something I want to leave for my grandkids. I, w- I want them to know about this time because it was a time when our family grew closer. It was a time when I learned about this or I learned about that. And I want them to have that experience. And, and, and of course, in the moment, it wasn't something they thought about. Journeys are often yeah. like that. The Whatever you feel at the end of it is... Sometimes not how how things were at the beginning, for sure, for sure. <laughs> what is your advice for families out there who take care of someone who's suffering from dementia, who think they're just at, at their wit's end? What is your advice for them? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, there are, I say, look for resources, of course. There are, in one of the, um, one of the surprises to me as I started the entrepreneurial journey was, learning about all the nonprofits that I had no idea existed in my own community that do really great work. And uh, we're just not always aware that they're there because funding is short. So they're not getting the word out like they would ordinarily if it was a bigger business. 
and uh, so to seek out both the large and the small resources. And um, as much as they hear about self-care, to um, get some help and what works for them to take care of themselves also. Um, and, and sometimes it can be five-minute breaks, short journaling. I mean, there's all kinds of things. I'm, I'm actually on the blog, but I'm going to have all kinds of great short webinars on how to do that on ways and things I've learned both in my practice and also from talking with the family. Uh, seek it out and um, to know that the decisions, as hard as they are, um, we always want to have the right decision and the right decision is the decision that's made at that time that's the best and to let that go. Uh, we try to make it right or wrong and there isn't such a thing. It's the best for the time. Where can we go find your book when it comes out? Yeah, um, that would be on Carmen Buck. And that's C-A-R-M-E-N-B-U-C-K dot com. Uh, there will be a place to, um, I have a link there where you can keep uh, um, updated. I, I send out every two to four weeks where I'm going to be speaking or um, when the book comes out, doing book signings, discussions. Also, for the, um, I do travel around and do the photography, so where I'll be um, in case of, uh, People are interested in having some family photography done or the multi-generational work done. All right. CarmenBuck.com, guys. Go, <laughs> go check it out. I'm excited to see this book. How What a beautiful thing you. you have created, Carmen. And I just, I love, thank you so much for thank taking the time you. to tell me about it and the listeners about it. And I really look forward to to seeing your work. I think it's, it's so awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be a guest. And there you have it. Please check out the book, Just See Me, The Other Side of Dementia by Carmen Buck, which is out now. Check the show notes for the link to get the book. Thank you so much, Carmen, for sharing your stories and your work with us. Thank you all for listening. As always, I love hearing from listeners. Email me at macmillanpages at gmail.com. Connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. And of course, there's more at my website, mariemacmillan.com. Feel free to leave a voicemail on the podcast feedback line as well, 503-512-0185. And if you're feeling up to bonus points, consider leaving a show rating or a review on Podbean or iTunes or however you're listening to the show. Thanks for your support, for listening, and again, thanks to Carmen Buck for being today's guest. And thank you to Wesley Price for providing the intro-outro music for today's episode. Okay, until next time, head to Donation. Take care. What? You thought that was the end? All right. Okay. I'll make this quick. Here's a preview of the next Head to Toe episode with John Inkrot, a flight respiratory therapist. We pride ourselves in taking care of the sickest of the sick. Since 1985, when this program got started, they have flown an RTRN on their flights. And that's because the RTs here do a lot with balloon pumps. So we manage the balloon pumps. And back then, that was just the configuration that they used because we did a lot of cardiac patients in this town and in our hospital in specific was a referral center. I, I can't wait to see what the next 10, 15, 20 years happens for this. <laughs>